Well, hello everyone, so great to see you. Uh, my name is Chris, I'm the student ministries pastor here at Agora Bible Fellowship. We are so thankful that you have joined us for another online service. And uh, we just wanted to share with you that our heart for everyone is to uh, be able to be connected with a local body, a local body of believers, a local uh, church. And uh, this online service is really just for uh, a supplement. Uh, so if you're unable to attend uh, because you're out of town for vacation or work, or you just want some extra uh, time in God's word, this is that's why this online service exists. Uh, but with that said, I got a couple of things I want to just remind you of. The first thing is uh, we love uh, praying for you throughout the week. So you can text us your confidential prayer request to 97,097000 and Stephanie will receive that and she will respond and uh, we get to pray with you throughout the week. Uh, the other thing is uh, we have a lot going on here at Agoro Biofellowship. We got uh, tons of life groups and ways to serve and uh, events and ministries. And if you want any additional information information in any of those areas, our website is the best place to start. And you can visit us there anytime at agorabible.org, and you can uh, find all the information uh, in any of those areas. Uh, lastly, uh, we are just so thankful for your ongoing generosity. There is no way that we can do what we can do uh, with our ministries uh, without your faithfulness uh, in giving. Uh, so we just ask that you preferably consider uh, to donate to our church. Uh, you can go to agorabible.org again, and you can click on the Give tab, and you can donate there. Well, with that said, go ahead and grab a cup of coffee and sit down and with your Bibles, and we're going to get into God's Word. Thank you. Well, thank you, announcement person, and hello, internet. It is good to be with you today. My name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here, and we are going to dive into God's Word together. I was the high school pastor here for about eight years, and Every summer, we would take our students up to Hume Lake Christian Camps up in the Sequoias. Really great time up there at camp. And every year, they had a competition amongst the counselors. There was a counselor from each team that needed to compete in the gauntlet. Every year, somehow, I got selected as the guy to run the gauntlet for our team there's part of me that hated it, but I'm not going to lie, there's also part of me that loved it, which is probably why I was the one that was selected. Anyways, what they would do is they would have all the participating counselors kind of lined up, but facing away from the gauntlet area. And you did not get to see any of the other contestants compete in the gauntlet going on back there. However, there were a thousand high school students off to the side watching, and so you heard plenty of reactions to things that were going on in the gauntlet and knew that it just wasn't going to be good. Uh, so then, while you're running the gauntlet, there's just stuff popping up all over the place. You hit, there's a surprise here, and they got to get past this, get past this. This comes up, pops in your face. Uh, and then at the very end, if you make it that far, you have to deal with the gladiator. I could tell stories of a couple of my success, more successful uh, gauntlet experiences. I do have some uh, glory stories, also some big failure stories, but we're not going to get into those today, maybe another day. Uh, really, I bring that up because I kind of feel like the word gauntlet is an accurate description for the book of 1 Corinthians. Man, we've just had hard truth to teach after hard truth to teach and hear. And uh, man, I think maybe today it is possible 
We've arrived at our gladiator. Maybe, maybe. Uh, Two weeks ago, I was sitting right over there in that seat while Pastor Scott was teaching on a section of scripture. And I thought to myself, man, I am so glad that I am not teaching on this this week. Uh, It was the section on head coverings just a couple weeks ago. Go and check it out. And I thought, man, I wonder what my passage is on in two weeks. And so I'm, I'm going to confess to you, I was sitting over here during a service and I flipped over to this section of scripture that I knew I was teaching on just to see uh, what it was. And I started reading and my first thought was, you've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. I cannot think of many other passages in scriptures, scripture that I did not want to teach on. Uh, man, this is uh, one of the most hotly debated topics amongst Christians in all of scripture. That being said, God is very faithful Uh, It kind of forced a handful of really good conversations that I'm glad uh, happened. And sitting here now, uh, I feel like, man, the Lord has used this uh, time over the last couple weeks in preparation as a fruitful time in my life in regards to this conversation. And so my hope is that uh, my study and wrestling over these past few weeks uh, and hopefully a lot more of the Holy Spirit working uh, in your heart and in your life, and mainly through his word, um, would just be beneficial for you as well this week. So let me pray for us. Let's get into God's word together. Let's pray. Dear Lord, uh, God, just thank you so much for your word. Uh, Thank you so much that we can go to it and that it shapes us. God, thank you for this church and this church's commitment to just working through scripture, even when it's tough and even when we would prefer to skip sections of teaching, Lord, we ask that you would just use uh, our time together um, in great ways, Lord. I ask that even uh, as I'm speaking, that you would bring out truth, that you would shut things up, that you would have me cut things if I need to. Um, Lord, we're just so desperate for your Holy Spirit uh, working in our lives. Um, God, thank you for spiritual giftings. Thank you for the reality of those here today, here and now. Uh, Lord, would you speak to us? We love you, and we pray all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. If you would, please turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 on your phone. Get your Bible, whatever you need to do. You can open another tab and get your Bible open, but be looking at God's word with me together. 1 Corinthians 12, we're continuing in our series that's just working through the Apostle Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. Last week was a super, super impactful service here at the church. Pastor Scott uh, worked through the end of chapter 11, talking about communion. We had an amazing time here in person of communion together, uh, taking communion. It was really, really powerful. Uh, Such a good time to be together. But apparently... For the Corinthian church, just as they had been abusing the Lord's Supper, they were also abusing spiritual gifts. And so here, Paul shifts the conversation. You can see he kind of turns a corner a little bit, and he addresses spiritual gifts. And at the beginning of our our section, in the beginning of chapter 12, he begins by offering a test, 
a test to confirm if a person using a spiritual gift is genuine, if they are indeed empowered by the Lord, by the Holy Spirit. Let's take a look at the test. Start reading in verse number one. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers... Uh, After a little bit of feistiness in the communion talk, he opens with a term of endearment, brothers. I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Okay, so as I mentioned, this test to confirm whether a person using a spiritual gift, acting in a spiritual way, spirituality involved, the way to test that that is genuine or genuinely empowered by the Lord, the one true creator God, Yahweh, empowered by the Holy Spirit, it's a very, very simple test. Even more simple than one of my sociology tests. True story, back in my undergrad, I had a sociology prof who just used the quizzes and tests directly from the uh, curriculum, completely unedited. He told us this, and he even showed us where to go online and access these quizzes and tests, even before we were going to take the quizzes or tests. So, Uh, More confession. I'm confessing a lot today. This is good. Uh, Every day before I had sociology, sociology class, I would go online. I would memorize the quiz for that day. Then I would go to class. I would take the quiz because I knew all the answers. I would take it in about five minutes. I would go. I would hand my quiz into my professor, and I would walk out the door and leave before he even started any of his lecture. Did the same thing for the tests. Man, the easiest A of my life. Not going to joke. I still uh, kind of brag about that. It was amazing. I don't even feel that bad. Is that bad that I don't feel bad? I don't know. Yes, the test here is just as simple as that. Stick with me, my friends. So here was going on with the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church was surrounded by a culture that was heavily influenced by Gnosticism. Gnosticism was kind of gaining uh, power and steam and uh, a lot of traction during that time. And Gnostic thinking basically is this. Anything that is supernatural or spiritual is good. Anything that is natural or physical is evil. Okay, that's Gnostic thinking. So the people back then were obsessed with the supernatural, with the mystical, with the spiritual. Even just based on our conversation a couple weeks ago, man, our culture is absolutely influenced by some sort of Gnostic thinking even here today. But back then, if you were to combine that way of thinking with the Old Testament teaching from Deuteronomy chapter 21, that anyone hung on a tree is cursed, maybe you see where this is heading, it was kind of this interesting way of thinking that some in the Corinthian church had. The Corinthian believers, at least some of them, were being drawn to this idea of separating the deity 
and the humanity of Jesus. At the same time, they were praising Christ, the second person of the Trinity, but also cursing the human Jesus. Doesn't make any sense. Paul says, no, 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 no. Let me inform you, my friends, the test to see if any spirituality, any spirituality that exists on this planet, including spiritual gifts in the conversation that we're going to be having here today, the test to see if any spirituality is of God, is it if it's of the Holy Spirit, is very simple and doctrinal. And it is all about the role of Jesus. As long as a person can say the words, Jesus is Lord, with a straight face, and hold that straight face for 10 seconds, you're good. No, that's not what the text is saying. Of course not. Paul is not just saying there in verse 3, he's not just, if you can say the literal words, that's not what it's about. He's talking about truly living those words. What do you truly believe about who Jesus is and how does that impact how you live? Not only believing that he was God in the flesh, that he died and rose again, conquering death, paying the price for you and for me, making all of our wrongs right. Not only that, but then making him the sovereign authority in our lives. Basically, the answer to the test, Jesus, right? I told you, it's simple. We're here in church. Simple, simple answer. So nothing too controversial yet, I know. Uh, Let's keep moving. To the source and purpose of the gifts. Let's continue reading in verse four. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. All right. So using our test from section one, that's going to be our foundation, right? That's honestly our foundation for everything, but that's our foundation for this conversation. Now, Paul uses three descriptions in these four verses to share both the source and the purpose of spiritual gifts. But before we get to those, I would like to briefly rewind to verse one, and I know we just left that section. However, very important to get this. So the Greek word for spiritual gifts that we see up there in verse 1, you can look back in your text. That is literally translated spirituals. Spirituals plural. The word the word gift is not technically there. We add that in. So what we know of the word in verse 1, spirituals could be referring to either people or things. And the reason why our translators add the word gifts in there for it to say spiritual gifts, like you're reading in your Bible today, is due to the context. So when you take the context into account, not only in this section, section two, verses four through seven, but also the next section, verses eight through 11, it's pretty easy to conclude that he's referring to things and specifically what today we believers know 
as spiritual gifts. It's a good translation, but I just wanted to make you aware of that because now here in verse four, this is actually the first time that we're seeing the word gifts. It's the first time that that's literally there in the text. So this partially gives us the context for verse one, but it also speaks to the source, okay? And I think this is uh, important to catch. So the one and only triune God, the same spirit, verse four, the same Lord, verse five, the same God, verse six, and we're clearly including and centered on Jesus as seen in section one, that is the source, okay? I know it's not complicated, but it's important to grasp that the Lord is the one who gives the spiritual gift there in verse four. He is the one that empowers Jesus' followers to use those gifts. We see that in verse six. And he is the one that enables the gifts to be effective. We also see that in verse six because the word activities literally means what is worked out, what is energized. That's what it means. He is the source. And that is so, so important as we continue in this conversation. The rest of the section, which we're going to cover very briefly, speaks to the purpose of spiritual gifts. Look at verses 5 and 7. Verse 5 uses the word service as in serving others. And verse 7 says that our spiritual gifts are for the common Good. I'm not going to expand much here because that's kind of diving into the topic of next week. Um, but really, just seeing here the source and the purpose of our gifts. The question is what do these gifts look like? Paul gets specific here in the next section and he gives some examples of what the gifts look like. Verse 8, for to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the works of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by the one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Ready? All right. So in this section, there are nine general categories of gifts mentioned. Uh, it's important to say here at the beginning that this is not intended to be an exhaustive list of all spiritual gifts. Actually, in Romans, Paul gives another list, and it doesn't line up exactly. And then Peter gives a list uh, in 1 Peter chapter 4. It doesn't look identical. Uh, these are simply examples of some spiritual gifts. So today, I am not going to do a deep dive into each of these nine, uh, although that could be beneficial. Uh, instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to touch on most of the gifts and really ultimately keep our focus on the big picture, kind of high level is uh, where I'm generally going to stay. 
Now, to set up a little bit of framework of how uh, I'm going to split the gifts up and how we talk about them is I'm going to split them into two broader categories, uh, the controversial gifts and the non-controversial gifts. Uh, And since I'm generally more of a conflict avoider, uh, we're going to start with the list of non-confrontational. So here we go. From this list that's here in 1 Corinthians 12, kind of the non-controversial, non-debatable kind of more universally accepted uh, and understood gifts. The first one is knowledge. Now, this refers to the Holy Spirit-given ability to understand truths from God's word. There is something mysterious that happens when we bend a knee and surrender our lives to following Jesus where there's just something where scripture just all of a sudden clicks, right? At least parts of it, just like, oh man, that makes sense. The second gift mentioned is wisdom, and that refers to the Holy Spirit-given ability to practically apply knowledge. If you're with us a number of uh, months ago, back when we were in chapter six, we talked about uh, the section on lawsuits, and we talked about Man, there is this undeniable, supernatural, Holy Spirit-given wisdom that is only found in the church, right? It's a Holy Spirit-given thing. It's a spiritual gift, this wisdom of how to practically apply knowledge in God's word. The third one is faith. So this faith, what we're talking about here as a spiritual gift, is not talking about saving faith. We're not talking about by grace through faith you are saved. We're not talking about just general faith in God. Here, the spiritual gift of faith that Paul is mentioning is referring to the Holy Spirit given ability to trust God despite difficult or overwhelming circumstances in your life. And I'm sure even now you might be able to think of one, two, five, ten people that man, they are just so steadfast. It doesn't matter what life throws their way. They're steadfast and they follow after the Lord. They just have that deep, deep deep-rooted faith. Last one on this list that we're gonna talk about is distinguishing between spirits. It's also called discernment. This refers to the Holy Spirit-given ability to recognize spiritual misinformation. And I apologize for the buzzword, but it really is just an accurate description of what it is. I like the picture of being a spiritual watchdog and kind of detecting dangerous spiritual lies around. Honestly, if you think about it, the test is very simple, right? Does it line up with scripture? Is Jesus central to the whole activity, to the whole thing? The test is very simple, but the Lord has blessed some more so than others with discerning, with saying, oh, no, that's not right. That doesn't line up with scripture. That doesn't line up with Jesus being at the core. Um, There is a challenge associated with this, and I know that there's challenges associated with all the spiritual gifts when they're acted out in the flesh, but man, when distinguishing the spirits, when discernment is acted out in the flesh, it can be an absolute major cause of division in the church. Major cause of division in the church. 
Speaking of major causes of division in the church, what a segue into the controversial gifts. Perfect. Uh, But before we transition there, uh, some last thoughts worth mentioning. Just a couple of quick ones. The first one is this, is I would contend that all of these aforementioned gifts are given to every single Jesus follower to some extent. Some are given more of this, a little bit more of this, a little bit less of this. We each have kind of our own unique blend and mix of these giftings. Second thing is, man, it is a beautiful thing that they are gifts because they can't be earned, they can't be manufactured, they are given. And I think that's a really cool picture. They're given. It is not a matter of mustering up more faith, more wisdom, more discernment. It's absolutely impossible. Rather, it's about being close to the giver and asking. Regularly through scripture, we're told, ask for wisdom. If you lack wisdom, ask for it. Uh, And I think, man, that is such a good thing for us to keep in mind as we have this conversation about the gifts. All right, on to controversy. Who's excited? You excited? You love the drama, don't you? (laughs) Who love the drama? Anybody a little bit nervous? If you're being honest with yourself, kind of getting into some of the controversial things, man, don't be. If we cannot have controversial conversations, talk about things that uh, bring up heated debate and topics, if we can't do that in a loving, understanding, gracious way in the church, man, we have bigger issues than this topic specifically. Can I get an amen? So uh, from the beginning, I would like to issue a little bit of a disclaimer Uh, that I fully admit that I am not the final authority on this topic or the subject. And I'm even going to sit here right now uh, and admit that I don't have this fully like worked out and figured it out. I can't wrap my head around exactly how this works. Um, And I think that's okay. Um, And I think it'd be foolish for me, honestly, to not admit that um, in the conversation that we're about to have. So the next gift from the list that we're going to chat about is prophecy. Prophecy is kind of a hybrid, okay? So some people would lump it in with the controversial gifts on this list, and some would uh, lump it in with the non-controversial gifts, and it all depends on how a person defines prophecy. All would agree, uh, I can say that pretty universally, all would agree that at least part of the literal definition of prophecy is simply to speak forth or to proclaim, okay? So given this definition, prophecy refers to the Holy Spirit-given ability to boldly proclaim truth from God's word. As simple as that. Again, that's universal and absolutely is included in this list. But where it gets controversial is here. Some would suggest that the connotation of prediction, the connotation of foretelling the future that is associated with the word prophecy, some would contend that those connotations were added later like in the Middle Ages and are are not original to uh, what would have been known to the original authors and therefore should not be a part of the conversation here. Whereas others would say, yeah, 
prediction foretelling the future that absolutely was a part of prophecy back then. Uh, And so it should be a part of the conversation, therefore bringing it into the controversial list. So which is correct? Well, you can just put that in your pocket for now and let's just keep moving. Uh, So Not only will our next conversation uh, speak to it a little bit, uh, but more so, um, in a few chapters, there is a larger section on prophecy, and um, Pastor Scott is teaching that day, so we'll just (laughs) push that down the road. Does that sound good? Good. All right. So, ready to have some fun? Tongues. Interpretation of tongues. So... You know that section that I just talked about uh, that expands on prophecy? Well, attached to that as an even larger discussion on tongues and the interpretation of tongues. So I'm going to let Scott handle that one as well. Man, this section is easy. I didn't even know how easy it was. Uh, There are some perks of being the associate pastor. Uh, But don't worry. We still have two more gifts. I promise controversy and controversy you shall have. Kind of. So the last two examples of spiritual gifts in this list uh, from 1 Corinthians 12 are healing and miracles, okay? When it comes to healing, when it comes to miracles, when it comes to tongues, when it comes to interpretation of tongues, and even when it comes to prophecy as defined by um, predicting and foretelling the future, when it comes to those five different gifts, There are two major schools of thought amongst Jesus-following evangelical Christians, okay? The first group contends that these particular spiritual gifts were in use during the age of the apostles, back when the apostles were walking the earth, the 12 that walked with Jesus. They served, the, the gifts served the purpose of confirming the message of the good news of Jesus. However, After the message of Jesus was confirmed and the New Testament was completed, man, we no longer need those gifts, and so those gifts ceased. They stopped. There's a second group that contends that's just a bunch of malarkey. Good word. Uh, Those gifts are absolutely still in effect today, just like wisdom, knowledge, faith, etc., So I personally have spent the last few weeks uh, and before, uh, I had a graduate class uh, where I had to write some stuff on the topic as well. So I spent the last few weeks listening to sermons, reading commentaries, talking to pastors on both sides, and I just want to share a few of my conclusions in regard to the topic. The first one is this, Uh, generally speaking, not 100% of the time, but generally speaking, the two sides misrepresent each other. Uh, When talking about the other side, more often than not, uh, one side will blast the other as just being like completely ridiculous, like out of control, absolutely foolishness. Uh, They'll talk about the most extreme instances, or they'll talk about people that have the most extreme view on that side, Uh, or honestly, just as simple as they won't accurately, like, defend the position, they won't capture the argument uh, that well, and here's the truth. If I could just share a a little bit, even here from kind of the, the, the beginning, 
is not all people from side A deny the work and power of the Holy Spirit here today, okay? That is a very false misrepresentation. And not all people from side B would claim to be modern-day prophets and apostles a la just like Jesus and the 12 back then, okay? Those are just misrepresentations. Uh, there are absolutely genuine, Jesus-loving, Bible-following, Holy Spirit-filled followers of Jesus on both sides of the conversation. Both sides have legitimate biblical basis for believing what they believe. Neither side, regardless of what one side would say about the other, neither side is just going off the deep end and just ignoring scripture. Both sides are reading scripture as faithfully as they can and trying to understand the world as we see it today. Both sides very biblically based. If you are interested in getting into some of the nitty gritty on kind of the biblical arguments for both sides, let me know. I've actually been working on compiling just a little document, uh, kind of a one-pager of sorts, uh, to defend from the biblical case on each side. If you're interested, let me know. I would conclude it's not that both sides have really weak arguments. I would actually argue the opposite. Both sides have very strong arguments. They do. That being said, neither is airtight. And both sides raise very valid questions of the other side. So for the remainder of our time, what I want to do is I want to use the gift of healing as an example and kind of get into it just a little bit uh, as much as we can here during our time today. Practically speaking, what does having the gift of healing look like today. So there is no modern day healing ministry that looks just like Jesus and the apostles back then. And what I mean by that is there's no like group of specific individuals that go around and that 100% of the time can instantaneously heal even the most difficult cases. There's not anything like that ever since Jesus and the apostles. And so if your definition of what it means to have the gift of healing means that it has to look exactly like that, well, because that doesn't exist, that would mean that every single human on this planet would be on side A, correct? On the other hand, there are absolutely plenty of cases here today of Jesus followers laying their hands on and praying for sick or injured, uh, et cetera, dying, etc., and seeing miraculous, instantaneous, and Holy Spirit accomplished healings. If your definition of having the gift of healing simply means that that has to happen sometimes, well, then everybody in the world has to be on side B. Everybody does. And that's, I think, the crux of what 
uh, honestly, I'm landing on is so much of this entire conversation has to do with defining what the gift of healing means, what the gift actually is, because it seems to be interpreted very differently uh, as I see it. Continuing with the healing example. So, Every single follower of Jesus can absolutely pray for healing. Pray for healing for themselves, for other people, can pray over it. Our elders, uh, I would say fairly regularly, are praying over people from our church for healing. Now, the question is, does the person who has the gift of healing um, or uh, simply just has more of the gift of healing, right? If we're comparing it to the other gifts, if there's just kind of a different mix and some people have more of this gift and less of others, okay, you following me? If somebody that just has more of the gift of healing, um, does that person then, do they just get prompted more often to pray for other people? Do they just see a higher success rate, like percentage-wise, when they pray for people to be healed? Does someone with the gift of healing, like, are they just more successful? Like, they have 70% of the time they heal uh, their person, uh, whereas if you don't have the gift of healing, it only happens like 10%, 20%, right? Um, Sorry, I'm genuinely asking. I don't have the the answer. for, for either of those. And I, truth be told, I don't think we have the answer for exactly how this works out and what it looks like. And that's why I'm leery of the person that says, man, they've got this, this whole uh, conversation perfectly wrapped up and they know for a fact what, exactly how it all works. Um, I, I'm just leery of that person. So for me, it doesn't make sense in my mind to follow this trend in culture where everything needs to be polarized, where you have to be completely all in over here, all in over here. And to be all in over here means that you hate, you know, like they're in direct conflict. Uh, That doesn't make sense to me for so many of these issues that we see in, uh, well, not so many, but a handful of issues in scripture where we see kind of a little bit of tension. Man, the gifts, as we're talking about this today, are to be used for the common good. The purpose, as we've seen, is for unity, not division. And yet over this topic, there's division. I would contend that we need to hold the semantics of this issue very, very lightly. And truth be told, I think it does come down to semantics. Um, Scott and I were having conversation uh, this past week uh, about this topic and um, we kind of came to a place and both agreed. We like the, the concept of leaning a direction. Um, I lean this direction, but it's not a hill that I'm worth dying on. I'm not equating this to like by grace alone, by grace through faith alone in Jesus, right? It's not at the same level um, as that. I like to lean a direction. You might be interested uh, to hear that Pastor Scott and I actually lean in different directions and guess what? I didn't get fired, at least not yet. Um, I didn't get fired, and he still let me teach on this section of Scripture, even though we lean in different directions. Pretty amazing of a lead pastor, if, if I'm being honest. So here we go. Let's kind of wrap this up and bring this together. Uh, my opinion, as I mentioned, is I think we need to stop focusing on the semantics of whether healing is a gift 
or it's not. I think we need to stop focusing on and like spending so much time, well, is it a gift or does God just heal? Uh, instead, I think we need to just focus on what the reality of God's ability to heal here and now looks like in our lives. If you are the person that is hesitant to pray for healing, why? Are you nervous that it's not going to work? That God's not going to actually do the healing? Well, the results were never up to you. We talked about that in this previous section. The results are not up to you at all, whether you have the gift of healing or not. The bigger question, I think, is do you actually believe that God can and does heal miraculously here today? Because that's a much larger picture of who you believe God to be. If so, which, man, he absolutely heals and uh, heals here today without a doubt. And if that is true, man, we need to live like it and to pray boldly. On the other hand, if you are the person that is pursuing the gifts, you are praying for the Lord regularly to use you to heal other people physically, my question is why? Why? Are you doing it just for a spiritual experience? Are you doing it to build your brand? Unfortunately, we do see that out like on the internet today, people building their brand as a prophet or whatever, like that stuff's real, it's happening. It's not about you. It was never about you. And I think that's the most important piece of this whole thing. That is the big picture. It's not about us. It's about him. We don't need to fully understand how God does it and how it all works together. We don't need to concern ourselves with the semantics of if I have this or not. It takes the focus off of him and puts it on us. And that's not where the focus needs to be. Man, our focus in this whole conversation needs to be giving glory to the Lord. At the end of the day, I, I truly believe that both sides actually have more in common than they disagree on. I really do. Because even just looking at our text from today, we can all agree that when it comes to spiritual gifts, Jesus is central. He is absolutely the foundation. If we don't have Jesus right, I'm telling you, we don't have the spiritual gifts right. Uh, the Lord... Jesus, the Holy Spirit, our triune God, is the source of our gifts. He is the one that gives the gifts to us. He empowers us to use those gifts. And he is absolutely the one that works out the results of us using those gifts. And finally, the purpose of even having these gifts to begin with is to serve and to build up the church. Serving and building up the church is the point. Why divide? Let's unify over this. And man, so important to dive into how do we come together as the church, as the bride of Christ, and use these gifts together for his glory. And that is what we're going to dive into next week. Let's pray. Dear Father, um, God, just thank you again for your word. Um, Lord, with the uh, purest definition of it, Lord, God, I'm thankful for an opportunity to prophesy. Um, simply speaking 
declaring, proclaiming your word as best as I can. Um, Lord, I ask that you would take anything that is false from me and throw it out. I pray that there would be discerning spirits out there watching uh, that would be testing every word against your word. And Lord, uh, I just ask that you'd be shaping us and molding us as a church, as a big C church, as a body of followers of you. Um, Lord, I know my heart, my deepest desire is simply to follow after you with all that I am in the best uh, way that I can. And I know that there are so many other brothers and sisters that simply want that as well. Um, God, would you stretch uh, us in our understanding of you? God, thank you that I can't understand everything about you, that you're bigger than that. God, thank you for the gifts that you give us and uh, that you enable and that you entrust us with um, to reach the world around us and to serve um, those around us, God. So we just thank you. We love you. Um, God, you're so good. We pray all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.